The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity Mm -hmm. theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about background screening checks. And you know, we have talked about this before. In fact, we even had one of the victims of identity theft who found out that his background check was totally destroyed, and he was fired. And in fact, he was out of work from March of 2010 until just this year. So we helped him, but it is a mess, and more and more companies are doing background checks. So we felt it was necessary to talk about this for our the companies that are driving by, and also for the students that might be listening here at UCI to know that background checks are not going away, and we're going to get more and more of those. And also, we have to be careful about what is being collected in those background checks. And so we're going to be talking with an expert on background checks. In fact, we'll be talking with Barry Nixon, who is COO of preemploymentdirectory.com, And he is the author of this new book, Background Screening and Investigations, Managing Hiring Risk from the HR and Securities Perspectives. And he is also very involved in helping people and helping companies to find out about background checks. So I'm so thrilled to have him. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Besides being the COO of preemploymentdirectory.com, He is a recognized leading expert on background screening, and he is the, that website, preemploymentdirectory.com, is a leading website on the internet for comprehensive information on background screening, and it's used by companies all over the world to find resources and information on background checks. Prior to founding the preemploymentdirectory.com, Barry studied general management in the executive management program at the University of Hawaii, which we love, Hawaii. Of course, right now he's in California, just, just down the road from us, which is great. And he earned a master's degree in human resource development from the New School University and a bachelor of science degree in business administration from Northeastern University, and then he has all sorts of certificates and a lot more that would take us all day to do. But in addition, he serves as co-chair of the International Committee for the National Association of Professional Background Screeners, which is NAPBS. And as I told you, he has uh, this book that we've been looking at, and he is 
also the author of the, um, he's the publisher of the Background Buzz, 2013 Background Screening Industry Buyer's Guide as well. So you can go to learn more about him at our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy, where you'll see his picture, his bio, um, JPEG of his book, and also at his own website at um, preemploymentdirectory.com. So thank you, Barry, for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation and look forward to our dialogue. Yes. So let's tell my audience a little bit about what a background check is and what it entails. Well, a background check, it's a good question because it actually encompasses a number of things. Probably the uh, item that is most popular in terms of what people know about is a criminal background check, which is really a check to see if a person has had a background in crime. Uh, and certainly um, been convicted of a crime and then gone to uh, prison for it. Uh, and there are a number of, of ways of doing that. So that's one of the forms of checks, but also uh, verification of the person's employment background. Uh, we a lot of times refer to those as reference checks, uh, but also educational verification to verify that the person, in fact, attended the school they indicated, uh, graduated, what was their degree in, uh, in some cases, what were their grades, um, um, credential checks um, for professions that require people to periodically upgrade their credentials or maintain their credentials, doctors, nurses, commercial drivers, those kinds of things. Um, there are terrorist checks, and that's a check to see if someone's name is on any of the government terrorist lists. Uh, or suspected terrorist lists. Um, and um, so there are a wide number of type of checks. Some other things that uh, are fit into the realm of background checks would be uh, a check of driver's license with the DMV, uh, and that's particularly for people that uh, frequently either use their vehicle or a company vehicle um, in the course of their job, uh, although it's also used to verify people's uh, previous addresses. There's a Social Security check uh, to verify the Social Security, uh, which leads into E-Verify or uh, immigration status to verify that a person can legally work in the U.S. So um, all of those things fit under the rubric of what would be considered a background check. Right. And then we've seen that some other things have come come into view where people are doing checks online of, of um, background checks on what they're putting up on social networking. We've seen that as well, right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, it's one of the emerging trends, and uh, it's one of those things that uh, has controversy associated with it. Right. But um, uh, many, many hiring managers are doing that. I think the statistics indicate actually Interesting enough that the uh, cases of companies officially using social networking sites for background screening is actually diminishing, and that's because of some of the legal concerns about actually doing that. But uh, it's one of those underground areas because I'm convinced that most hiring managers cannot resist putting the person's name into Google or into other 
social media and checking out a potential applicant. So whether it's official or not official, I believe it's rampant. Yes, and and so this is why I especially wanted to bring this up because we're also sitting on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, and people don't think about what they're putting up on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And um, you know, even if they have put the privacy settings in such that they think that only their friends have it, they don't know what their friends are copying and putting on the Internet either. So it is um, a worrisome time, wouldn't you say? I would absolutely agree with your advice and your statement. And um, the key thing for people to remember, and this is particularly young people and students, is once you put it on the Internet, it's there. Um, and as you indicated, you may think it's behind some kind of a wall, but in many cases, people who want to get at it can still get at it. Uh, I get all the time invitations to training courses uh, for private investigators to teach them really how to access people's information. And so um, the best policy is just not put it up there because then uh, it obviously cannot be accessed. But, yes, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous proposition. You're rolling the dice when you put something up there and then hope later on that someone else doesn't see it. Right. And, and I think what's even scarier for those people who are, you know, more careful and more privacy conscious, they don't know who's taking a picture of them when they're at a party and they don't even see it. And somebody has a cell phone and they're just immediately putting it up to Instagram or, or up to Facebook and, and they don't know how that's going to appear. So That's exactly right. I mean, we're in a time period where, you know, with cell phones and the cameras being so easy to use is like you have no idea what's likely to show up on the Internet. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons why so many companies now are conducting background checks. That's a very good question, and uh, somewhere in the area of 90% of companies are doing some form of background check, so it's very pervasive. And um, the reasons driving that, a big one is obviously a legal one, which is fear of negligent hiring uh, lawsuits. And in essence, a negligent hiring issue is when an employer hires someone and that person commits an act where someone else is injured or damaged or, worst case, killed, uh, and then the employer is sued for that person's actions. And so those cases hinge on foreseeability, which basically is whether the employer was able to reasonably foresee that this person might have committed this kind of act. And that's where they then start to look at the person's history and background. And if they had a record of doing these kind of things in the past or other similar kinds of things, then it makes the case very tough to win. So that's a big one um, that employers look at the issue of negligent hiring. The other one is actually on the positive side and that it really is a way of helping employers to truly identify people that actually have the skills, the competencies, the experience that they're looking for to fill a job so that they know that they have the right person. Uh, so that's also a very important aspect uh, of why employers use it. And um, it's a, also part of the pre-screening process that, quite frankly, helps employers to be able to screen people out so they can get down to the select few people that actually 
meet their requirements uh, and fit the job description. Right. And so, you know, it, it helps those of us who worry about somebody taking our identity as well, because if if someone gets a background check on uh, my name and they're using my name, hopefully they'll find out that it isn't me. <laughs> And, well, and, and that's we've had a lot of attorneys who have committed identity theft uh, or people who wanted to be attorneys who pretended to be attorneys. And then, of course, you know, I get so many people calling me with identity theft that 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 is a, a real problem. If you hire someone and you think you've hired the right person and then you find out that that person has committed identity theft and then you've reported this to the IRS, then the person ends up with all sorts of problems with the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board and who knows what else, right? Oh, it can become a major headache and uh, undoing identity theft. Um, the time to do it is really uh, overwhelming at some level. Uh, and that's why you're starting to see a lot of these services that pop up to help people with that. But the point you're bringing up about identity theft is very relevant and connected to background checks because it's actually one of the positives, if you will, for individuals that companies are doing background checks because it can help weed out some of that uh, by actually identifying people and verifying that they are who they say. Um, but the scary part of it is the bad guys are getting very sophisticated. And uh, we talk about in our book something called the Gigabyte Gangs, which is basically where organized crime or gangs, if you will, actually are preparing people so that they can come go to work for a company with the explicit purpose to steal personal identifiable information, right. um, which then obviously gets used for identity theft. So it's another reason why companies need to do uh, due diligence in making sure they're checking out who they're hiring so that they at least have a chance of screening out those kinds of people because once they get in, and they have access to all kinds of information, they can do a lot of damage. Okay, so let's let's kind of talk about it from the employee and the employer side. For the employer, okay, what, what are some of the rules that they have to follow with regard to getting a background check? Let's do that for our people who are driving by who are maybe small, mid-sized businesses. Sure. Well, the primary uh, rule or rules that they have to follow are, are the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which lays out some very specific guidelines that employers have to use. And what's interesting is that background checks fall under what are cons considered consumer reporting. Uh, and oftentimes we think of that just for credit, but it actually also applies to background checks. And so they are required, first of all, to get permission. So they have to have the person, the applicant, actually sign uh, a notice and release of intent to get a background check. Uh, the second thing is they have to have a uh, process in place to inform applicants if, in fact, an adverse decision is going to be made. An adverse decision would be you're not going to get the job. So they have to have a process for letting the person know in advance that that decision was based on or partially based on information in a background check and then provide the person a copy of it. And then the third part is have an appeal process so that the individual can say, that's not me, it wasn't me, I didn't do that, and, you know, here's proof that 
Um, you know, I never lived in Chicago or Alaska or wherever it is. Um, and so those are the three key things that the Fair Credit Reporting Act require employers to do. Um, and then there are some other pieces of legislation that impacted. A big one is probably uh, the discrimination laws because there are different aspects of conducting background checks that can lead to discrimination cases. For example, use of arrest records uh, is pretty much prohibited. Uh, and if a company uses an arrest record, they're really walking a tightrope because uh, the data is overwhelming and EEOC Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has gathered that data over the years that members of minority groups tend to be arrested at a much higher rate than non-minorities. So if you use arrest records as a factor, then you will screen out more minorities than you would non-minorities. And so there's some issues around discrimination that uh, come into play, and the EEOC is currently really focused on this issue of use of criminal records and has laid down some pretty tight guidelines around how to appropriately do that and it basically comes down to that you need to make sure that the record ties to the nature of the job um, as opposed to just a blanket policy of, well, we don't hire anybody that's been convicted of a crime. So that will put you into a potential discrimination case uh, if you kind of have one of those blanket policies. So, I mean, those are some of the things that employers have to look at um, as they uh, really go about the business of doing background checks. Right. And in California, uh, they have to have a box that allows people to get a copy when they um, when they authorize the background check. So I, that's one thing that I always suggest that when someone, when you're, if you're a student here and you're going for a background check, I mean, if you're going for a job and there's an authorization for a background check, Mark the box that says you want a copy of the either the credit report and the background check, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to know the information that uh, employers are looking at that applies to you. So if there's anything missing or anything incorrect, that you can obviously point that out. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk now a little bit about the employee side, which we kind of started to get into that. What should you do if... Let's say you're a student at the University of California, Irvine, you're getting ready to graduate, and it's time to look for jobs. So what are some of the things you should think about and do to make sure that you are protected with regard to background checks? Well, one of the first things I suggest that people do, because it's relatively inexpensive, is to get a background check for themselves. Uh, There's some services that are available out there on the market that will allow an individual to get a background check so they can get a pretty good idea of what an employer is likely to see when they do a background check. And this does a couple of things. Obviously, if you have a clean record, everything that you've put on your resume uh, is accurate, um, you know, you would expect that you basically have a blank slate out there on a background check except for verification of your information. Uh, so you, this gives you a way to check to make sure that it's accurate. Um, obviously, if you have had some problems or issues in your background, then you want to know what language and what is actually on your background check. So again, when you go talk to an employer, 
you can presume they have that information and you can talk about it in a proactive way, um, which oftentimes then will allow, you know, employers will kind of, okay, put it aside as long as you're honest, you know, about it. Uh, so, one, I would suggest that if people are able to do that. Um, in absence of that, I would suggest that people uh, go back to the social media, to your earlier question, and check themselves out to see what is popping up on the Internet on them. Uh, and so put their names in in several different places. And there are a couple of these services that are popping up on the Internet uh, that I'm not an advocate of employers using, but I do advocate individuals use that uh, tell you about these instance checks on anybody. Put your own name in there and see what pops up. Right. You, you might be surprised that it shows you got a criminal record or something, and if and that's the case, then you know that you got some work to do to get that off of your record. Um, so those are some of the things that individuals should do. And, of course, go back to the earlier thing that you said, is be very careful about what they're putting uh, online, and I would say anywhere online, because once it's on the Internet, you don't know where else it's going to pop up. So be very careful about information you're putting there, because it could be something that will come back and haunt you. Right. So, Barry, what about when, let's say, we've gotten our background check either, which I, I agree with you, get it ahead of time if you possibly can, because if you get a background check ahead of time and you see something on there, you want to clean it up before you go ahead and um, try and look for a job. But let's say you do see something that has nothing to do with you, okay? Let's let's say it is um, it shows a criminal record and it wasn't yours. And I have just gone through this with a client that we finally, finally were able to get him a job, and it was just horrible, absolutely horrible, because he was the victim of criminal identity theft. So what are some of your suggestions to do if, what do you do if you find that you you see a background check that one of the employers gave to you or you ordered it yourself and you see that there are tons of errors, either it's identity theft or maybe it's a mixed file. I mean, maybe somebody has a very common name. I mean, even Barry Nixon, I bet there's thousands of them, right? Unfortunately, you're right. There are, to much to my chagrin. <laughs> exactly. Or just, you know, I mean, Barbara Johnson. You know, I have a friend, Barbara Johnson. I mean, how many millions of Barbara Johnsons? And uh, many of these companies are not really very careful um, about these mixed files, right? Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. And so I think um, a couple of things people should do. If the they've applied for a position and they didn't get a position because of a background check, is then the company, the background screening company that provided that information to the employer is legally obligated to investigate if you challenge it. And so the first thing is you definitely should challenge it, let them know that it's not you, and then they have to go recheck and go back over their steps to find out where there's a problem. And then they are obligated to re-report that, if you will, to the employer to let them know that they found out, you know, it was a mistaken identity, it wasn't you, or whatever the case may be. Um, and unfortunately, I would say you have to really be very dogged about that. And because uh, some background screening companies are excellent at doing this, you appeal it, say, this is not me, they will go back and do their due diligence. Some will drag their feet. So you've got to make sure you stay on top of it 
And uh, unfortunately, you may end up having to go see an attorney to make sure that they get on it um, and do it. But they're legally required to actually do that. Uh, so that if it's through an employer, that's what I would certainly suggest. If it's something that you get on your own or find out on your own, what you have to do is then go to the original source and um, write them, contact them, and make sure you do it in writing uh, and let them know that, you know, on this date you checked and you saw this information that is incorrect. Uh, if you have some evidence that can show that it's incorrect, I would include that. But, again, you need to let them know and put them on notice and request that that information be removed. Uh, again, hopefully that does it, but you may end up having to get an attorney to really press the issue, uh, but you have to go back to the source. Yeah, perfect, perfect, because, you know, when you when you were talking about putting it in writing, it's a good idea to put it in writing even to the, the employer That's so right. that he can give that letter to the background check company. They have to tell you who that company is, and then the company has to tell you the source. So sometimes, and I've seen this before, is a background screening company will use another background screening company. That's right. <laughs> and then another one, and then they have to. Then they got it from the court, and maybe it should have been dismissed. So it could be a mistake. It could be that they didn't uh, see that something was dismissed, or they didn't see that it was identity theft, or or whatever. But um, it's really important that if it is identity theft, to also get a police report to provide with your letter and an affidavit saying, hey, I'm a victim of identity theft because this kind of stuff is so sad. I mean, my, my poor guy who was on the show, actually, uh, Stephen Eccles, um, had worked for seven years for a company, and then uh, it was a company affiliated with the, um, the LAX airport, and he was doing security. And then TSA came in, and they did a background check, and his own employer knew that he had been a victim of criminal identity theft by a guy that went to high school with him. <laughs> mm. But anyway, long story short, the background check came back with all of these criminal convictions that weren't his. Right. But um, he wrote to TSA and asked for a copy of the background check. It took us um, almost two years to get that, by the way. And um, just to get the, you know, we had to do a Freedom of Information Act request and everything. So it was it was a terrible, terrible situation that he went through. So it's not something that you can just say, oh, this isn't me. This is going to follow you wherever you go. And these background checks are bought and sold. And, uh, you know, it's it's all over the place. Right, Barry? Oh, it is all over the place. And as I mentioned earlier, 90% of companies are doing them so it's something that uh, you need to, if, if there is a problem, identity theft or otherwise, you need to get it addressed because otherwise it's going to haunt you in the next job you apply for, and then it's going to come back to roost. So, yeah, it is something that uh, you need to make sure you take care of. Right, right. So uh, we have about two minutes left, but I, you have a chapter on infinity screening in your book, and I just wondered if you could just give an overview real quickly of what is infinity screening. That's a good question. And infinity screening is basically the screening of current employees. Um, and so pre-employment screening would be applicants who are trying to become an employee. But now infinity screening is really continuous or re-screening of employees um, so that, of course, of your employment employer, let's give you a good example. Someone who's a driver is I want to periodically check 
your driving record to make sure that you don't have any DUIs or speeding tickets or what have you so that I know that it's safe for you to continue driving for us. So it's not a matter of just checking when you get hired. I want to do that periodically. That's a classic case of infinity screening. A credential screening would be the same thing where I want to make sure that you've maintained the credentials that you need to do your profession. Uh, so that's what infinity screening is. It's really about follow-up background checks while somebody is actually an employee. Yeah, terrific. I know I had to, uh, every few years I have to go and get a live scan of my fingerprints because I'm a sheriff reserve here in Orange County. So, Absolutely. So that's kind of infinity screening too. So I just want to thank you so much. We're out of time. Barry Nixon, who wrote Background Screening and Investigations, Managing Hiring Risk from the HR and Security Perspectives. That's great for our employees and our employers to take a look at his website, which is preemploymentdirectory.com. Thank you so much, Barry. And we got to get together since we're neighbors. I'd love to do it. Okay, take care. And thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. for Privacy Piracy and visit our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.